Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, it's Tuesday, November 26th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down today's college football news, oftentimes within 15 minutes or fewer. Today is supposed to be a Tuesday news day edition, but the Thanksgiving week has things a little bit funky in the 24-7 sports office, so instead, I'm going to talk about something very near and dear to my heart the Texas Longhorns, who a few months ago had beaten Georgia in the Sugar Bowl for their first 10-win season since 2009 and who were, in the words of star quarterback Sam Ellinger, back. I'm not going to imitate Sam because I don't want you to hear my piercing sounds this early in the morning, but it was a pretty exuberant declaration that Texas had returned to the national landscape with back-to-back top three recruiting classes, with a junior quarterback, with stars all over the field, and with what we thought was one of college football's brightest young coaches in Tom Herman, the Longhorns were a playoff contender this year. They were a top 10 team. They were not the favorites to win the Big 12 because Lincoln Riley sort of always gets the benefit of the doubt up there in Norman, but Texas had a chance, and I, blind to it all, thought the Longhorns would make the playoff. So... I've learned my lesson, though, because they're 6-5 and five after a 24-10 loss to Baylor on Saturday in which it was actually 24-3 until there were 10 seconds left in the game, and Texas scored a garbage-time touchdown, which is where the program's at right now when Texas is scoring garbage-time touchdowns to get on the board against a Baylor team that was 1-11 three years ago following one of the worst scandals in the history of college football and hired a coach from Temple in Matt Rule, who has instead turned the Bears into an absolute force in a Big Ten or Big Twelve championship contender. Meanwhile, Texas will take its six and five record into Friday, Black Friday, I should say, against Texas Tech in what should be a very depressing vibe at Darrell K. Royal Stadium. Anyway, all that's to say, I've got Chip Brown, lead columnist over at Horns 24-7 on the podcast, and we're going to ask a few questions. Most notably, speaking of back, will Tom Herman even be back? Chip, I didn't begin this fall thinking that I would be Googling Tom Herman buyout but that's where I am this morning. So I'm going to ask you right off the, right off the top, is he safe? I mean, he's safe right now. Um, I think Chris Del Conte is going to give him a chance to reset his staff. Um, I think that Del Conte, uh, that's his MO. That's what he did with Gary Patterson at TCU when Gary was struggling on offense. Del Conte supported Gary Patterson going out and hiring Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie to get his offense going. And it, and it took off. Um, Obviously after those hires, I think Gary went 23 and three the next two years. And, and so I think 
you know, Herman is a, is a tough minded guy. He probably hasn't made a ton of friends in high places at Texas. Uh, so Del Conte is going to have to uh, serve as a buffer for, for guys who may have a lot of money who may not like Tom personally or the way that he does things. But Del Conte's MO is to, you know, give a coach like Tom uh, a chance to make some uh, changes to his staff. And uh, that's what I expect to happen at the end of the season. Yeah. So he was asked, I guess, uh, Monday about changes at, at the press conference. Uh, what did he say as far as, you know, thinking about evaluating everything on the table and how did he act? Was he, you know, did he seem a little bit different than usual? Well, he has said that he's done a poor job. He's, he's, he's sounded a lot more contrite since the loss to Iowa state when in the post game, he was asked if he was out coached and he snapped, I'd never say we were out coached and then came in the following Monday with a whole different tone. I think he'd been to the Chris Del Conte school of PR. Um, and, and then you know, when he was asked about if his assistants have uh, done a good enough job, he said, I've done a poor job. And any of those questions will be addressed after the season. Yeah, I noticed he's the last two weeks, it's been a change of tune for him, which I think is important because when I go to your message board, the flagship at Horns 24-7, I'm sort of stunned the backlash and the outrage to Tom Herman. And I mean, I've you know, seen threads about bringing Urban Meyer. And, ah. it's, and I mean, this, is guy, this guy won the Sugar Bowl last year. I, I, right. this, this season has been one. I mean, it's probably been Texas's most disappointing season since 2010. But I think it's fair to say his attitude, you said it, hasn't done him any favors. You compare this to Charlie Strong whose record was so much worse, but by all accounts was just like likable and f- a little bit more friendly guy. And, and Tom Herman, sometimes, honestly, like speaking from a fan, like he acts sometimes like he invented the game of football and that all the media is so far beneath him for asking him any questions. I think that has probably contributed to a mass amount of the fan backlash is just the fact that they really don't like this guy unless he's winning them games. Right. No question. I, they don't like the way he handles things when things are are not going the way they should be going. And they don't like his attitude and they don't like the results and they don't like that the answers are not readily available. I mean, we're asking the same questions week after week after week. What's going on with the offense? That's your side of the ball. And He's like, we're trying to simplify. We're, you know, that defense is so unique. I mean, it's like, come on, man. I mean, this is, and that's why I asked him today about, has he, does he feel like he's done a good job of building relationships with players because he is a fire breather coach. And, and when times get tough, if players don't feel like that coach cares about them enough, they will start to check out and, and I think we're we're seeing a lack of faith uh, or certainly some strong questions from Sam Ellinger about, you know, what's happened to this offense? I mean, this was a this was a quarterback and an offense that 
came into this season with all kinds of uh, experience and, and, and excitement and anticipation after Sam threw for 25 touchdowns with five interceptions, set the Big 12 record, 308 pass attempts without an interception last year. Everybody was expecting him to take the next step, this offense to take the next step, and it has done anything but. I mean, it's like since the OU game when Alex Grinch twisted and stunted Texas to death, nine sacks, 15 tackles for loss, it was like they lost their confidence and they haven't been able to get it back. And when was the last time we saw a double move, um, you know, or a pump fake from Sam Ellinger? There, I mean, there's – or a counter play. I mean, there's been no evolution to this offense, and it's confounding. They don't score in the first quarter. They don't score in the third quarter when you're supposed to have your scripted plays and all of your, you know, all your week's work you know, to catch them off guard and, and make a play, it's not happening. And it is causing a lack of confidence, if, if not a lack of faith. The regression has been insane. Uh, worried about sort of the locker room turmoil, and I guess that could all come to a head in, in a few weeks' time with the transfer portal. If you're Tom Herman, or if you're advising Tom Herman, Give me the exact next few steps on his to-do list. I'm assuming, with you know, Tim Beck, the OC, even if his contract wasn't out, he'd probably be gone. So Tom Herman's going to have to make a move there. Maybe Todd Orlando, although they, they go back so so long. And then and then I wonder about like Tom Herman as an offensive guy, as a very proud guy. Is he going to be able to make an offensive coordinator hire and then hand that guy the reins? So what what do you expect? You know, if you are Tom Herman or if you're advising him, what do you think the next few moves are here? Well, if he called someone and said, I want you to run my offense, that person would say, what is your offense? Because it's unrecognizable. So he needs to turn it over. You know, he needs to go find out if Joe Brady likes being the receivers coach and passing game coordinator. And if Orgeron is, you know, going to stick with Steve Ensminger okay, hey, we can offer you an offensive coordinator position, pay you a bunch of money, Graham Harrell at USC, you know, go unload the bank, bring in the best guy, and and let him run the offense, period. Take that off of Tom Herman's plate. You be the culture guy. You be the, the hard ass. Let these, you know, let, let the new offensive coordinator run his offense. And that's my first step. And, and then we go from there. Todd Orlando, um, you know, it, it seems like he showed he's limited this year. As he got players back, that defense has improved over the last few games. But, my gosh, uh, his blitz packages have just done nothing this year. And it seems like he lost his confidence a little bit during the middle of the season with, with all the players injured. But he does have one more year uh, at $1.7 million guaranteed. So you might see him back next year. And then uh, Tom Herman would evaluate. Let's be honest, if he gets rid of both coordinators, um, I think even Tom Herman has done the math on this. The percentage of the head coach surviving drops significantly um, when both coordinators are replaced. And Herman's one of those guys. You know, he's about perception and. So I think you see changes on the offense and, and Orlando comes back. This is a bit off topic, 
and I know a lot of it stems from the Zach Smith stuff. Maybe Tom Herman reads the message boards. I don't know. What was the vibe in the room uh, today at the press conference when he was asked about his coaching mentors? And he mentions Mac Brown and Greg Davis and leaves off the guy who he won a national title under. Yeah, I mean, it was like I uh, I think people know, though, that there's tension between he and Urban Meyer um, that stems from the Zach Smith situation. And, um, you know, I think people know there's there's bad blood there. So he did give Urban an acknowledgement, um, you know, when he talked about that he's the you know he's in charge of the program's culture not feelings um but yeah he was he was playing to the uh to the choir right there mentioning mac brown and greg davis and i think the the recent bad blood probably kept him from mentioning urban yeah he probably doesn't love that he's all of a sudden on this hot seat and if you go to any message board you see threads titled urban meyer uh that's good stuff chip uh interested to see how friday versus texas tech goes and you know how the bowl game goes too but this is you think next year there's any chance to kind of come back from this or are you going to massively alter your expectations for 2020 well, I think if Tom gets out of the way on offense and lets the the talent shine through, that's that's what's amazing is that all these all these guys, they have enough talent on offense. They're just not being put in position to succeed and and that that's got to change. Once it does, I think that you'll start to see complementary football again because when when the defense really needed the offense to pick them up, they did against Kansas. They absolutely did and saved Tom Herman from complete embarrassment, losing to Kansas at home. Um, but at other times against TCU, against Iowa State, um, you know, the, the complimentary part of it, what, seven, the last seven forced turnovers by the Texas defense have resulted in zero points by the Texas offense dating to the OU game. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thanks, right. Chip. That was awesome. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. It pains me to say, but that was good stuff from Chip and Tom Herman with a $20 million buyout is not going anywhere, but a lot of other people are. And if Tom Herman does not get this fixed, then in a year, he probably will be gone. That will do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing... Go leave us a five-star rating and a review. You should really appreciate it today because it was not fun for me to put together an episode on my team being such a nightmare. Don't forget on Thursday, we are going to air some voicemails from you guys saying what you're thankful for about college football. So if you want to be involved in that, call us at 312-789-5647 and leave us a voicemail. One more time, that's 312-789-5647. For Connor Tapp, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you tonight as we react to the college football playoff rankings.